Agile Hartford. Dave Kersnowski here, joined with Steve Nunziata. Joining us tonight is Eric Jager. How are you doing, Eric? I am great. Good to have you with us. Where do we start with Kanban? It's this simple thing, right? You just kind of slap stuff in a couple of columns and you're good to go. That's how it works? Yep, there, that's it in a nutshell. Well, I'm ready to good go. Good night, everybody. This is Agile Hartford. <laughs> I'm always curious about the origin story. So what got you started in Kanban? Why did you decide, hey, this is the thing that is for me? I was working on a client probably about nine years ago, and Rally was there, and they were giving us a big lecture about how to use a tool and what, what they could do. And they were all something like, we're really big on Kanban at Rally. That's what we're, this, that's this Kanban thing. I started looking into it, and like most people, I got the basics. And uh, just at that point, I really got into it and started you know, applying it to just about everything that I could. I run into a lot of teams that have started adopting Kanban. What makes it click to you? Is it Kanban's going to light this on fire? When I see people struggling with the other framework, Scrum in particular, they can't focus on committing to a sprint back. Like, this is what we're doing for this. This is our sprint, com- sprint commitment. These are all the stories we're going to do. No, we have, da- we have constant daily churn in the backlog. I guess the biggest thing, when it feels like you're really, if you were to say you're doing Scrum and it feels like you're really forcing it and it's just not working and you're doing it for this, basically for the sake of somebody said you need to do Scrum, that's, that's a big symptomatic indicator that you might, be, you might be better suited to doing Kanban. Eric, I guess I'm curious what you tell people that are familiar with Scrum, how to think about Kanban. Some people think Kanban is kind of a maturation of Scrum. Some people think it's a good first step towards Scrum. Some people think that Kanban and whip limits and things that Kanban espouses are inherent in Scrum. Or some people say Kanban is just a whole different thing meant to be successful with with a different purpose than, say, a traditional Scrum model would. How do you inform people that are used to Scrum how to think about Kanban? Kanban isn't a development methodology. It's a change management and work management methodology. One of their first principles is start with where you are. So you can start, whether you're doing waterfall, you're doing scrum or whatnot, you can just be like, we can start applying the Kanban practices to what you're doing. And we can slowly enhance that. And maybe you, you keep doing scrum with constantly improving with what, Kanban can help you improve with, or maybe eventually you simply, I don't want to say mature out of it because that sounds like it it makes it seem like, oh, it's a stepping stone to it, but you might choose to just say, we're going to continue to apply Kanban to this, but we like, we, we like the, some of the cadences and isn't that that Scrum provides. So we're going to still keep that structure, but we're going to continue to apply the, the principles and practices of Kanban to it. And that's fine. And maybe eventually you do drop some of the scrum practices or you lessen them, make your cadences more infrequent depending on the the need-based situation. But it's just something that, you know, you can, there's no reason to be like, okay, you, you don't have to choose. So it's like, oh, we're, we do, we, we're a scrum team, but now we're going to start doing Kanban. So that means we drop all the rules of scrum. That's not what you're going to do. So Eric, so I'm starting up a team, I have to figure out how to how to work as a team? How do I pick one method over another? When it comes to Kanban, you don't. Um, you might be in a situation where 
you're, if you're in a larger enterprise, they are saying, we're doing Scrum, we're doing less, or we're doing safe. If you are at, still at the de decision point, uh, but you want to try yourself on the, you know, what they call the alternative path to agility is how Kanban markets itself. Uh, one of the nice selling points on it and kind of the zero entry walk into the pool is that, again, it starts off with meeting you where you are, respecting existing roles and policies. You don't have to suddenly go, oh my God, we have to train 15 scrum masters and we have to send everybody to scrum training. We have to send everybody to safe training. We're going to launch a train. We have to do all this and that. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to, you, you can just have people who are in existing roles, step in, learn the practices and start applying them. And if those eventually do mature into dedicated roles, great, so be it. And maybe it allows you to apply those practices to an existing, to, to another framework when it comes in. But one of the great things about it is you don't have to rock the boat. Again, you can start exactly where you are. Even if you're doing waterfall, you can still visualize your work. You can limit the work in progress. You can manage the flow. And you can step through, a little while ago, we were talking about you know, the, the static approach. So we can go through, you can go through the steps of static in waterfall because it's just basic. Eventually you get to the point where you're mapping the, the workflow which you're going to need to do regardless of what approach you have, but it's, it's right there. Uh, and with the exception of potentially some investments in a lot of post-it notes, if you are all co-located or perhaps a tool that supports Kanban, if you're distributed, the actual adoption cost of it and overhead is very low, which can make it a lot more attractive to people. Again, especially where it's not the scariness because we've all seen it when people say, we're bringing in safe and people are like, but I'm a project manager. Does that mean I'm an RTE? Am I a product manager? Am I a scrum master? And it's like, no, you are still who you are, but we're just going to start looking at the work this way and figure out how we can get a nice evolutionary change in here and get continuously get better. Eric, I want to poke at that a little bit because I think that was a rather provocative statement, but you said, uh, and no, I was really interested because you said, you know, you can kind of even start Kanban with a waterfall methodology in place. With that thought in mind, would you say that people should think of Kanban as more of a, a flow-based system, delivery optimization, a continual realization of value, regardless of the methods and processes that may be in place? Yes, it's, it's there to just help you figure out how can we get better and how can we end up satisfying our customer and business needs more efficiently? If you go through any, you know, serious Kanban materials and stuff, you're not going to see the Agile Manifesto referenced or, or any of that. But the practices there that are in there are very similar. So Eric, if teams are working along, maybe they're working in a scrum framework, maybe they're working with SAFE. What are some of the trigger points where you as a coach may come in and say, guys, I don't think this is really working for us. I think there's a better way. I'm not seeing what I would expect to see on this team. Let's try something else. Maybe Kanban can help us. How do you approach that? How do you deliver that message? I usually start off by, you know, taking a look and see like, well, what, what are the problems, folks? What are your, you know, like it's like the static me method going in through what are the, what are your sources of dissatisfaction, like internally and externally for your team, for your customers? Oftentimes you, you, you run into with teams, we talked about this before, is that 
they are having consistent problems hitting their sprint, sprint commitment, be it the fact that they have churn in their backlog, or they have trouble simply breaking down the, the type of work that they have may not be well suited to being cut into those uh, wonderful vertical slices that Scrum user stories and Scrum really prefer to have. And it's not that for lack of trying, it just simply might be that as a result of being a part of a larger ecosystem, they might not be able to change like a certain test environment and, or an upstream, an upstream or downstream system that they are dependent upon. It's like, well, we can't, we can't do this kind of testing because we need the whole system integrated and that doesn't happen until two months from now. So we can't close out our story or we have this middle layer story. So that might be one reason why they're not able to close out their stories. If they are in more of a support situation, it might be a, a hot fix team or a break fix team where things just keep coming in and all of a sudden it's the newest priority. And so people are like, oh, I just, you know, we never get to finish stuff. We have to put it on the, on the back burner. And again, it doesn't fit that two-week commitment. So if we start to see that happening a lot, then it's like, well, what if we stopped worrying about committing the stuff for two weeks and we just found whatever the appropriate cadence is for when we have to replenish our work, be that on a, you know, on a daily basis or it's every other day or weekly to the point where, you know, we can commit to getting something done. And then we eventually start figuring out how long it takes us to get those various things done. So you can start having SLAs around them and such. So those are some, some big warning signs and teams when they simply just are they're when they're fighting against a framework uh, it might also be team size. It's, they might have 25 people. It's a, a situation where they've been told you're a scrum team and they're really 25 shared service people, what have you. And so they're trying so hard to be scrum that they're losing sight of the work. And if you bring them back to the Kanban general practices, suddenly they're focusing on the work and not worrying so much about the overhead that might be brought upon by the, by a different framework and that allows them to focus on getting the work done and keep it, keeping it moving. I think one of the best adaptations I've seen of, of Kanban is I was coaching a help desk team and they, someone had told them to do scrum and, but they couldn't see, they couldn't plan work for two weeks because it was a help desk. They had tickets coming in all the time at different priorities. So they had to address them. And so I, I said, guys, let's just, let's just go to Kanban. Let's try this out. And once we did all the work we found out was effectively the same size. So there it became a question of, we still use a two week boundary, but that was more to test ourselves to see how much work we could get through in that two week time period. But we got our work items. I wouldn't call them stories. We got our work items through on average every 1.5 days, 1.75 days. And then we can estimate the rest of the backlog as far as when it would be delivered and every day after we had a, just a daily huddle, we would ask the product owner, who was the department lead, if he had to reshuffle any priorities before we picked up work. So I've seen it work really well, especially in that type of environment. But I can certainly see the application wider, as you were alluding to earlier. So those are, I've definitely seen it be successful in definitely more in some situations that are appropriate to where we just don't know what the priorities will be tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, and that can be one of the major frustration points with teams like that that I've seen is they go through sprint planning and they're like, yeah, we spent two hours or four hours planning our sprint and the next day the entire backlog blew up and it invalidated 
what we had spent all that time on so that everybody gets frustrated. We're wasting our time doing this as opposed to just like whether it's daily or every other day saying, what's the next most important thing? We're, we're pulling stuff through. We're not stopping on it. We're getting it done. But now we're pulling in the next most important thing and moving on. You know, it seems to play well with almost any other methodology, whether it's traditional, whether it's you get to some of these large companies and they're in the middle of transforming things. So they have pockets of people that seems like doing everything. And it seems like a good fit. If, you know, if I have to work with teams that are still following traditional methodologies, Kanban still accommodates that well. You have some long cycle times on the work, right? sometimes longer than you want, but, but at least it's there and you understand it. Yeah. I mean, it, it complements everything. I mean, it's become a significant portion of safe. I think what, but one of the downfalls of it in safe is when you look at the big picture and this isn't a dig on safe, they only have so much real estate on the, on the big picture, but people take those things very literally. And when you look at the big picture and they have, you know, whether it's the, the program Kanban at the train level or a solution Kanban or an Epic Kanban, they just show the magic funnel. And so a lot of people take look at that and just kind of assume that it's just magic. It happens there because there aren't any of the little like Fisher Price icon people there with, you know, a special hat on. Like, so because I mean, there are people who are supposed to be shoving that work, pulling, I should say, pulling that work through the funnel and making it happen. But so, so people lose sight of that and they kind of fall back on, that's going to be one of the, a warning sign and safe is that people fall back on suddenly they're declaring we need to have all our features done on, you know, this, this, this two, two weeks before or three weeks, whatever the arbitrary date is before PI planning. And so what happens when you give everybody, the people who are responsible for delivering that work, a due date, the same thing that happens with anybody else. When you give a, a high school kid a due date, they wait till the night, you know, every it's, you're not going to get that stuff incrementally. You're going to get one large batch at the end, which is probably going to be of lower quality as opposed to if they had Fisher, if they had maybe some Fisher price people turning gears on that thing <laughs> in the picture and to emphasize people like this is an ongoing process and we want, you know, we want features coming in throughout the PI through our refinement process, as opposed to you have to have them all two weeks or three weeks before PI planning. When you start working on like that, all of a sudden people stop sweating about having a backlog feature backlog ready for PI planning and having the team had time to look at it. If you simply apply, you know, that principle of flow and managing it to those layers within safe, suddenly, Hey, you've got Kanban help, you know, augmenting safe, making it happen. Great. So Erica, there's talk about the thing called a personal Kanban and then some people kind of use a personal Kanban to manage their own work, but I've heard that's getting some traction in, the outside world, like families do things that are similar. There was a book called a few years back called the secrets of happy families, where they actually talked about having like family retrospectives and, and using some agile process and practice just around the house in, in their home lives and the way they interface with people. So what type of adoptions have you seen in, in your personal space or in the outside world that you think is a really good adaptation of Kanban? I just recently, due to if you haven't heard about this whole pandemic thing going on and remote learning, personally, uh, we had a bit of a struggle at home when this when this all went down. 
initially about a week and a half after the the shelter in place stay at home orders came down uh, my wife was switching jobs and she managed to negotiate five weeks off in between so she took over managing the remote learning for a while and so for what the time period we thought until we went back to school turned out we didn't go back to school so when we realized we were both going to be working while remotely at home the kid, we needed the kids to be more self-sufficient what else is a, a Kanban guy going to do? But I set up a Kanban board on the wall in the kitchen for the kids with all their, it was a mixture of their daily, uh, of their daily just chores and things they needed to do recurring daily homework assignments. Cause they had in their remote learning as remote learning got a little bit more intense. So we had that, they had larger projects as well. So we kind of broke, we had a, bit of pseudo classes of service. I didn't use that terminology with them, obviously, but, you know, we had a, a term of like, we had a, like a column of here are your daily tasks. And we had a column of big projects. Uh, and then they had a, what was in progress and what was done. And they were allowed to have, you know, one, only one daily task in progress at a time. But if they had a larger project that they're working on, even those uh, we broke down into smaller things, like my middle daughter had a um, biography project that she had to do. And that was broken up and the, the teachers had broken that up into several different assignments. So we had one big like feature large post-it note and on it were a bunch of smaller post-it notes. It was like, here's a biography project. And it was like the person's family, the person's work history, the person. So each one of those is a card. So she was allowed to have one of those in progress too, because she'd be working on that a little in addition to the other things. And she might, she in particular would need a break from that. So she would have that. So that could stay in progress for a little bit longer. But there were daily tasks that they were expected to get done every day. My son, who's only, he's six, he's in kindergarten. He was needed the most focus. Um, so he got a little bit more. We also built in a reward system in that he had to do all his daily tasks, his chores. You know, he had like four or five worksheets a day. He had some online videos to watch. And every day it, during the week, we had on a card for the week, if he completed all his tasks, we filled in a circle, it had five circles. And then he had, we had a reward-based system at the end of that, such that, you know, if he got it, he was really big into, into video games or he's getting big into video games. I have a bunch of vintage systems. So it was like, if you complete your work for a week, we'll bring the old Sega Master System out of the basement. You do it the next week, we bring the Sega Genesis out. Then we bring the PlayStation, we bring half the PlayStation library. And that worked very well in motivating him and keeping him focused. Uh, and even remember, one of the things was get dressed because he's six. He wouldn't remember. Uh, so, I have that problem now. And I'm yeah. yeah. And, but so he, it really, and it really helped with my, my middle daughter. My oldest daughter was the perfect example of the stereotypical person who doesn't want to change the way they do things. And she just locked herself in her room. and was like, I don't work that way. And so her cards never moved, but she, she was up in her room doing her thing. But it was nice to have that contrast of there were three, they each had a swim lane and the top one, nothing happened. And the other two kept marching across. And, you know, my son, he punched out every week that we had a reward for, he, he punched it through. We didn't have formal retrospectives, but we did sit down and just talk about like, is this where, do we need to break the work up differently for you? Is this working the right way? Do you need like your large projects? Cause there were more projects after like the biography thing. Do we need to break it up a different way? 
do you need, you know, is a reward system working for you? Do you feel like this is, you know, going to incentivize you to, to keep the work going? So we had those, you know, those conversations and we said like, well, how, there are certain days where work just doesn't seem to happen. And it's like, because they have the midweek slump and it's just like, you know, it's not, it wasn't anything with the yeah. system. It was just them, but it really, it got to the point where they were a lot more self, the whole self-managing aspect worked with a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. That was great. I, I posted that on LinkedIn. Several people in the Kanban community chimed in and said, I've done the same thing. They, some people were, their kids were older. They were doing it with an online tool or whatnot, but then they had broken things up into, they had health and well-being goals and stuff, tasks that they wanted to do. And, you know, it was like, do exercise, read a book, you know, read, read at least a chapter of a book each day. And they were, they were knocking things out like that. And so it, it can really help to keep a family on track, especially in situations like that. And, you know, even going forward in uh, just normal daily life, non-pandemic style. Right. When we moved up from Texas, when we moved from San Antonio, uh, Nicole and I set up a Kanban board because there's a lot of things you have to do to prepare for a, a move across the country. So it helped because we were always realizing some new tasks we had to put on the board. Priorities were always shifting based on you know, what was happening with you know, feedback from the movers, the realtor, or, you know, the job, whatever the case may be. So yeah, I think there's a lot of great adaptation of Kanban in, in the real world and just visualizing that work and having that board to kind of, you know, rally around to see it all happen and, and move. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. I think it's a great motivator. Um, people might think, well, it's just a glorified checklist, but as you're seeing the stuff, you know, just like with a checklist, as you're seeing the stuff tick away during the day, you move it over. It's just like everything else. Why we, all these, whether it's, you know, video game systems or, uh, you know, dieting systems, when you get achievement, these seemingly meaningless, meaningless achievement points and rewards that you get build up on systems. I remember when the Xbox first came out, people were all about these Xbox achievements, even though they didn't really mean anything, but people were like, I got all these points and it was driving them to do stuff. But when you have that, like, it's like, Hey, look, all that stuff is done. Now I can go, I don't have to fret about what am I going to do next? Now I, I can't, I can sit down, I can have a drink, I can watch TV, I can do whatever. I know I've, I've accomplished what I'd set out for today. As someone starting out as a Kanban practitioner or just really interested in learning more about Kanban, where do I go? Where opportunities do I have to educate myself? Uh, what training opportunities are out there virtually in all likelihood? Uh, where would you recommend people turn? Uh, there are multiple sources doesn't never hurts to look inward if you're in an organization already. See if there's somebody who is, you know, see if there's anybody who happens to be a KMP or maybe you might even have a KCP, Kanban coaching professional in your organization and talk to them. If not, I mean, you can start off with the, the blue book that most people start off with, you know, David J. Anderson's Kanban. Some people like there's another book called Kanban from the Inside that was written by Mike Burroughs, who used to work very closely with David. It's world experience-based material in it. That's where the, the static process gets, uh, gets explained very well in that. And there is all sorts of trainings available. Uh, if you go to, you just Google up Kanban University, there's tons of training that they've been expanding it. In light of the, the, the global situation, they have gone to the point where they're, they're doing remote slash virtual training for 
almost all of their classes. The one, the one class that had been really held back with was uh, KMP1 because that has a hands-on simulation in it. But they have partnered with a company called Okaloa that makes uh, a product called Flow Lab, which is a, a board game simulation that they've made an online version of, which is great. So that class is now going to be start that they're doing pilots of that virtually. So all the classes are offered virtual. They have the Kanban maturity model, which is, you know, something that you do after doing KMP one and stuff like that. But there's a ton of stuff out there. There are, there's tons of literature. A lot of stuff is free. If you go to the Kanban website, you can download essential Kanban as a PDF ebook. I just have to give them your email and they're going to, they're going to send you an email about it, but you get that to download it. It's like 60 page highlights of it. There's an upstream downstream version of it. Just, just lots of stuff out there. There are videos. I mean, safe themselves is produced. If you're concerned about how I do, how do I do Kanban within safe? If you search Kanban and safe, they have several videos that they've produced in the past year that are uh, all about Kanban, the very basics of Kanban, but also how you apply that within safe. Certainly encourage anyone interested, use those resources as you see fit. There's a lot of good information out there. And if we ever get to meet in person again, you just corner Eric in the room. He'll tell you all <laughs> you want to hear. That's an option too. So thanks for joining us, Eric, and hanging out for a little bit. We appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Thanks, Eric. And oh, thank hope you. to it's see you very partner. soon. Right on. Have a good night, everybody. Be agile and stay curious. <laughs>